Well, last week we were reminded how majestic is our name, is, is the Lord's name in all the earth. As we celebrated the forgotten church holiday, maybe you've already forgotten what it was. It was Ascension Day. Ascension Day is the coronation of King Jesus as he takes his throne in the heavens, as he reigns there forever and ever. And we talked about how, how maybe we don't remember that day once a year, but we better remember that day every day we live. Live in confidence, knowing the King of Kings is on his throne, empowering us and encouraging us. So we, we remember that forgotten holiday. This morning we're going to remember forgotten holiday number two, because today is a significant church holiday. It's Pentecost today, one that, again, usually slides by pretty uneventfully, right? There's no time off from school for Pentecost. There's no Pentecost presents to be opened this afternoon. There's not a Pentecost turkey sitting on your table waiting for you when you get home. I did not hear any Pentecost carols on the radio on the way to church today. And yet this is a holiday that we need to pay attention to with, give it a little more fanfare maybe, because really, really what Pentecost is, is it's a birthday celebration. Pentecost is the birthday celebration of the New Testament church. Today we celebrate our birthday as a community. It's the start of the Holy Spirit era that we are living in right now. You know, when, when I was younger, growing up, five kids in our household, when birthdays came around, you didn't forget them. You didn't let them go by without paying attention. When we were younger, you got to pick a favorite birthday dinner, right? So around that dinner, it was your dinner, your favorite food. It's your birthday. And sometime during that dinner, when there was a lull in the conversation, my dad would always pipe in and say, you know, let me tell you about 10 years ago tonight. And if it was my 10th birthday, then he'd launch into the story of my birth. You know, always tell that birthday story every year for all of us. And it's kind of fun to hear to hear that story again. So this morning, we should hear the story of the birthday, the first birthday of the New Testament church. Take out your Bibles. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2, 1056 is the page number in front of you. 1056. Let me give you the setting. Jesus, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's appeared to his followers a number of times already. It wasn't that long ago now that they saw him ascend into heaven, Ascension Day, take his throne as King of Kings. But the disciples are still in Jerusalem, gathering mostly behind locked doors. Because Jesus told them to wait, right? He told them to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the next step to happen. And, and so that's what they're doing. Uh, they're, they're gathering together daily for prayer, but they're still kind of directionless, unsure of what to do next. Then comes this day. Then comes Pentecost. Read with me the transformation that the Holy Spirit brings. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all of these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. What a moment. What an amazing place to be at this moment in history, right? The, the Holy Spirit arrives in the roar of a rushing wind and the flames of fire a light on each person in the room, and the Holy Spirit's power is released into their lives and into this world. And suddenly these believers, who were timidly hiding behind locked doors, suddenly these believers filled with the Spirit now are filled with boldness and confidence and, and purpose. And, and one of the things we remember most about Pentecost they are given the gift of being able to speak in languages that people could understand that they never studied before. What I wouldn't have given for that gift as I studied Spanish in high school and Greek in college and Hebrew in seminary. Here they could all of a sudden speak and people could understand. With this newfound power of the Holy Spirit, they began to tell the story of Jesus Christ more boldly than they ever dared to before. And people from all around the world, people from all different languages, gather around that house and they hear the story of Jesus. And before the day's over, if you keep reading that chapter, Peter stands up and he boldly preaches the very first sermon of the New Testament. And 3,000 people are gathered into the family of God that day. What a birthday party. What a birthday celebration. What a birthday gift, right? So as I was reading this birthday story again this week, that whole mix-up of language caught my eye. And it, it brought my mind to another story in this book, a story way back from the beginning of, near the beginning of history. Because there was another time in this book when when God mixed up people's languages. But he did it for a very, very different purpose, and he did it with very different results. So if you put away your Bibles, take them out again. Turn towards the very front of this book to Genesis chapter 11, found on page 10 in the Bibles you have in front of you. Genesis 11. You'll see it's the story of the Tower of Babel. And maybe many of you remember this story. It comes soon after the story of Noah. Remember God, God sees the earth at that time and it's filled with evil, it's filled with sin, it's filled with rebellion. And so he sends a flood to wash his whole creation clean again, kind of give it a, a restart. He saves Noah and his family and two of every animal in the ark and, and, and Noah's ancestors begin to fill the earth again. 
But as they filled the earth again, the stain of sin began to fill the earth again. And in their pride, in their selfishness, the people again rebel against God's plan and they look to establish their own power, their own kingdom, and their own purpose. Listen to the first nine verses of Genesis chapter 11. Hear how that happens. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and they settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. For the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That's why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So when you lay those two stories side by side, when you read these passages together, I think we, we learn an important lesson about us as the family of God. You see, at the Tower of Babel, the, the people of God, right, on this earth, they devise their own plan for unity. This is a passage about unity, isn't it? And, and usually we celebrate unity. But their desire to stay unified, their, their desire to come together as one body was a selfish desire. They did it so that they might have the power to control their world. As you hear those verses in, in chapter 11 when they say, come, let us build ourselves a city, right, with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. It's all about them. It's all about their power and their control, about their pride and their ego, and about designing their own purpose and being in control in this world. They want to write the pages of history themselves. They don't want to listen to God. Their actions here are a direct attack by the kingdoms of this world against the kingdom of God. And it is their unity that fuels this rebellion. Right? The passage starts by saying, now the whole world had one language, one common speech. Right? It recognizes their oneness. But remember God's desire for his people that he gave way back to Adam? His desire for them was to fill the earth and multiply, to, to scatter through this whole creation, bringing the truth of God and the relationship with God all around. His desire was that they go through all the earth and live out his purposes and his directions, and they are they're designing their own plan. We want to stay right here. And we want to live for ourselves. We want to follow our own purpose, our own unity. And so God scatters his people at Babel. How does he do that? He confuses their language. They all begin to speak suddenly in different languages that they hadn't, hadn't been able to speak before. 
right? And suddenly with everybody speaking different languages, their project is impossible. This grand tower that was to be a temple for their own power and purpose is left undone. They walk away and they scatter. Their diversity, all speaking different languages, broke apart their unity. And really that, that diversity is the reality within, within which the whole rest of the Old Testament history moves forward, isn't it? It's a world where unity is non-existent. Read these Old Testament stories again, and you'll read it again and again and again as nation goes up against nation, as tribe fights against tribe, as family rages against family, as city against city, even brother against brother, as they're pulling each other apart. They all take turns trying to wipe each other off the face of the earth. Even for God's chosen people, the people of Israel, right? There's no vision for the kingdom of God apart from their own people, their own nation. If you weren't Jewish, if you weren't part of the the people of Abraham, then you don't belong. If you are diverse in any way, then you're the enemy. And then comes Pentecost. And at Pentecost, Babel is undone. The Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost and he brings a reversal of all that division that began at Babel. At the birthday of the church, God brings his family back together in a great family reunion. God creates a unity that brings his people together across all lines of diversity. Right? So, so the story of Babel is that they all begin to speak different languages and And that different language breaks them apart, causes diversity. Here in Jerusalem Jerusalem at Pentecost, the same thing happens. They all begin to speak different languages by the power of the Spirit, but instead of pulling them apart, now this diversity pulls them together and unifies them once again, this time under the cross of Jesus Christ. And suddenly people who couldn't communicate before understand each other. And suddenly they share the same story. And suddenly they share the same Holy Spirit. And they believe together and they're unified as the family of God in Jesus Christ. Because this time it's not about human power. This time it's not about, about human pride. This time it's the cross. This time it's the empty tomb. This time it's the people of God coming under the Son of God. That's what Paul, that kind of unity under Jesus is exactly what Paul preaches about again and again and again. Right To the Galatians, Paul writes, in Jesus there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's no not slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Remember, you have to be Abraham's seed. Well, now, if you belong to Jesus, you're part of the family. You're one with us. You're heirs according to the promise. He goes on to the Colossians. He preaches the same thing. He says, here there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. At Pentecost, God invites all 
people to the birthday of his body, the bride, the church. He invites all people to come back to a family reunion where we can be one in Jesus Christ again. You know, it's interesting in, in this Pentecost passage because it kind of breaks in, right? And, and it begins this list in verses 9, 10, and 11, this list of all the different cities, all the different languages they were speaking, right? It says that, that the Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Cretans and Arabs, and, and we hear that list and we kind of check out for a few verses, don't we? We hardly recognize any of those places. We recognize Rome, Asia, Egypt, Libya. I'm not sure many of you could tell me where Phrygia is. You could tell me and I wouldn't be able to correct you because I have no idea either. You know, why, why in the world would Luke go ahead and list all these? What's the purpose of that list? Well, I, think there's, I think there's a distinct purpose for it. Because here you have at the center of Jer Jerusalem, you have Jerusalem at the center, the people of God with the Holy Spirit in them in Jerusalem. And if you were to take a map and if you were to, to put all these, you know, research where they actually were and place dots on a map, you would find out that, that all these places listed create a circle all around Jerusalem. All these people from all around Jerusalem, north, south, east, west, come back to Jerusalem, to the family of God, to the oneness. This is the undoing of Babel. Because at Babel, the image is you have one, one center. There's the plain of Shinar. And what happens? From that center, all people scatter out, north, south, east, and west, as the people of God are scattered and divided. And now here at Pentecost, with Jerusalem at the center, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, we're reunited again. The family brought back from every corner of the world, every race, every nation, every people, every tongue back together as a family of God by the power of the salvation of Jesus Christ. And now, in this New Testament world that we live in, God's gift to us is a beautiful diversity within that unity. Because did you notice at Pentecost, God doesn't enable all people to hear one language. He doesn't reunify the world under one language again. Instead, he enables his disciples to, to speak one common message in a whole variety of languages. God celebrates diversity within the unity of his son, Jesus Christ. Because God doesn't want us to be exactly alike. That, that's not the kind of unity God desires. He wants us to celebrate diversity within the unity of the family of God. So we have the diversity of different denominations all around us within the unity of Jesus so that God's kingdom might grow. We have the diversity of, of churches within our own denomination so that we might have the, the kingdom grow in the unity of Jesus. We have diversity of different worship styles within the unity of Jesus so that his kingdom might grow, right? We have diversity of gifts and passions right here in this room. We're different personalities. We're different people. We're empowered for different things. We 
We get excited about different things. Why? All within the unity of Jesus so that God's kingdom might grow. Paul, again and again, celebrates that unity and diversity within the body of Christ. Romans, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, right? Probably the most powerful and familiar passage about that. Let me read it for you. It says, there's different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. The body is a unit, although it's made up of many parts. And though its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, he says. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, we're all given one spirit to drink. Now, the body's not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. That's us. That's the family of God. The family of God, just like my family growing up. Right? There's five of us siblings, two parents, and we're all so different. I'm so glad that my brothers aren't exactly like me. I'm glad we don't look alike. I'm glad we don't think alike. I'm glad we don't act alike. And I'm thankful also that within that diversity that we're bound together as one family. I'm thankful for that unity as well. Our diversity makes us beautiful. Our diversity makes us better. And our diversity is what we appreciate about each other. That's the family of God. At least that's the way we should be. You know, I experienced maybe a taste of this on Good Friday this year, just a month or two ago. Right? We, we were walking the streets of downtown Barcelona on that Friday. All day we were walking. And it came close to evening. We decided that, that Stacy and, and Aaron and I, we decided that we would scout out where we were going to go to church on Easter Sunday find that location, make sure we knew how to get there. We were going to go to Hillsong, Barcelona, which is right downtown Barcelona. So we wandered, and we finally found where they met in a theater off one of the main streets, and we discovered that, that their Good Friday service was just about to start. In 15 minutes, they were going to have a Good Friday service. So, of course, we decided to stay and, and worship with Hillsong, Barcelona for Good, Good Friday. And, of course, we sat down in this theater, and, um, and the service was all in Spanish. Actually, it was in the dialect of Catalan. So the little bit of Spanish I did know became even less with that dialect and, and became pretty useless. <laughs> and as I stood there worshiping, singing these songs in, in a different language, some English subtitles, but I was singing them in, in the Catalan. And, and as I was standing there in this theater, which looks very different than this room, and and I looked around, and I think everybody there was 20 years younger than me. It was almost all college-age students. And, 
And suddenly it struck me. And God gave me a moment where it hit me, where I felt, I felt the wonderful unity of the family of God in the midst of all of this diversity. I could hardly understand the thing they were saying. When it came time to speak, the translator probably caught about maybe a quarter of the English words for us. So, and yet, there I sat, and there I stood worshiping with my arms up. And I thought, this is my family. This is the family of God thousands of miles away. And I love these people that I've never met. Now, I'm not an emotional kind of guy. If you haven't caught that in 15 years, I'm not that emotional. But I'll admit that, that my eyes began to water a little bit as I began to think about the family of God all throughout the world that I belong to. Thousands of miles away, I found home. I found family. That's what God calls us to be and to do as the family of God. And we haven't always been very good at appreciating diversity, have we? Right, we've looked at other Christian denominations around us and we consider them to be our enemies, really? We felt threatened by other churches within our own denomination. We've argued and fought even within our own church about worship styles and preferences. We've looked down on other people because they have different gifts or different passions, don't really care about their ministries all that much. You know what we're doing when we do those things? We're building our own Tower of Babel, right? We're building our own pride. We are the chosen few, right? We, we have a corner on the truth. We're building our own homogenous, comfortable kingdom within these walls. We're building our own tower here for our own purposes, not for God's kingdom purposes. And when we're living out those selfish purposes, when we're building our own kingdom here, then our diversity will begin to break us apart. We'll begin to argue and fight and we'll become enemies. Just as it happened on the plain of Shinar. But when we're truly living out God's purposes together, passionately working for his kingdom, building his family through the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, who's still moving, still at work today, then our diversity will unify us under one purpose and one goal and one passion, and that's the kingdom of God coming here on this earth. So today, on this, on this Pentecost Sunday, we say happy birthday to the church. We say welcome again to the power of the Holy Spirit alive and at work within us as individuals, alive and at work within the, the community, the family of God. And we celebrate that unity, right? We are one in Jesus Christ, saved by the same blood, forgiven by the same sacrifice, destined for the same reward, and we're living today for the same purpose. We celebrate that unity and we celebrate our diversity. Because the family of God is a wonderfully diverse place. It's diverse in language and skin color, in abilities and resources, in styles and preference, in age and gender, in spiritual gifts and specific ministry passions. 
as we learn to celebrate and appreciate and to welcome the diversity that God gave us at Pentecost, then we will begin to see his kingdom come and his will being done on this earth as it is in heaven right now. Let's pray for that. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit power. Your Holy Spirit power that you have unleashed in this world. And you have chosen to unleash it most often through your people, through your community, through your family called the church, through us. Through us as a community called Ivanrest Church and through us as individuals each sitting here this morning. What a privilege. What an honor to be the bearers of the Holy Spirit. Give us the same confidence and the same boldness and the same courage that you gave to your disciples that Pentecost morning. Unify us, Father, around one purpose, seeing your kingdom come and your will be done, loving you and loving people in your name. And with that one purpose shared in all of our hearts, send us out in all of our beautiful diversity, each able to reach people in unique and powerful ways, each able to usher in your kingdom from different angles and with different opportunities. So, Father, thank you for our unity. Help us never to forget that. May that be top priority in our lives. And within that unity, thank you for the great diversity you've given us. May your kingdom come, and may your will be done right here, right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me, please? Worship team, would you come on forward? We're gonna sing one last song. We're gonna, basically this song is gonna continue the prayer that we just prayed, asking for God's kingdom to come right here, right now in this place. Asking for God's Holy Spirit to be moving through us as individuals and through us as a community. So if you truly want the Spirit to move and if you want his kingdom to come, 